Well, hey everyone, I'm Pastor Judd Wilhite, and I wanna thank you for joining us today. You know, Central's a place where it's okay to not be okay. And we are so glad that you're here. I hope you enjoy this message. Hope your Christmas season's going well. It's good to, good to see you. Glad you're here with us. One week till Christmas, not to stress anybody out, but if you're doing any last minute gift buying, you've got about a week. Hey, do I have any Disneyland fans in the room? Maybe you call yourself a Disneyland fanatic. Okay, we've got some people. You're, you're the type that you already have your next Disneyland trip planned. There's always one on the calendar. If somebody else is going to Disneyland, you're asking them to send pictures throughout their day because you just vicariously live through them. I mean, you're a fan, you're, you're a fanatic. I am not a Disneyland fan. Now, I'm not a Disneyland hater, and it's not that I dislike Disneyland. I think it's just when we get back from Disneyland and I start to do the math on how much Disneyland actually costs, it quickly loses the luster of being the happiest place on earth. I'm not happy about the price tag. But I am raising some Disneyland fanatics. And when they were little and we would go to a theme park, we could always make it what we wanted to as parents. And what I mean by that is we could show up to the park when we wanted, when we feel like we were ready, and then we could leave as early as we wanted, trying to tell them like, oh, I think it's about to close, even though it's still daylight out. And they're like, oh, okay, and we'd go home. But now that they're older, they feel like they have a say in the day. And they wanna get there at park opening and they wanna stay till park closing. And if you're a Disneyland fanatic, then you've experienced the park opening famous Disneyland rope drop, which if you don't know what the rope drop is, let me explain it. It's where you get up extra early as a family, incredibly early, way too early than you should get up when you're gonna spend 16 hours at a theme park all day. And then you get the family out the door, you get them over to the park, you get through the ticketing area, almost to the entrance of the park, and there's cast members there, there's employees there holding up a rope and holding everybody back. So you're just waiting in this group of people, you're waiting in this line, waiting to get into Disneyland. And I looked at my kids, I said, we're waiting, we've been waiting for a while, how long do we wait? What time does, do they drop this rope? 8 a.m. Is it always 8 a.m.? It's always 8 a.m. Well then why didn't we get here at 8 a.m.? Why are we here an hour and a half early waiting in this line? Oh, so that when they drop the rope, we can run to the first ride and we don't have to wait in the line. So we're waiting in a line so we don't have to wait in a line. It didn't add up, it didn't make any sense to me, but to them, they just wanted to spend every second they could in the happiest place on earth. And I think this is what Walt Disney wanted for his guests. He wanted them to experience this park to its fullest because Walt was a dreamer, he was an imagineer. He wanted to create a place that would offer a glimpse of something better than everyday life. And I think that Walt did this, I wonder if part of the reason is because deep inside, Walt had a longing for something more. A longing better or more than something better than this world has to offer. And Walt didn't just want it, he didn't just have this longing, he didn't just imagine it, he actually went and created it. He created a version of his own of heaven here on earth. What he thought heaven on earth would look like. A place where the past and the future, they were just a stroll away. A place that would just 
allow people to escape their earthly reality if just for a day. Because Walt wanted more out of life. And really, I think we all do. And that's because God has planted eternity in our hearts. In fact, I'm gonna pull up a verse, Ecclesiastes 3.11. When we get to the red word, say it with us. But this verse shows us just that. It says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He is what? Planted eternity in the human heart. Each one of us, we're made in God's image. And whether we recognize it or not, each one of us has a longing for something more out of life. We hunger for more because eternity has been planted in our hearts. And we can have a real hope better than anything this world, this earth has to offer because God is the source of that hope. And God gives us this hope in two ways. He gives it to us in a person and in a place. He gives it to us in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not about religion. It's not about rules. It's about a relationship. It's about love. And he also gives us hope in a place. And that place is heaven. And our heart's longing for what earth can't give us is proof that heaven is our true home. So today we're gonna talk about just that, the Christmas bonus of heaven. But I want you to know that I don't have anything extra that the Bible doesn't already say on heaven. I didn't have a near-death experience where I got an inside look at heaven and now I just have to share it with you. I didn't, I'm not gonna stand up here and tell you what I imagine heaven to be, what I hope heaven will be, what I think heaven is. No, we're gonna look at the Bible, the only authoritative source we should look at when it comes to heaven and see what the Bible says about heaven. And I also want us all to know that heaven is not just some vague, dull afterlife where we all grow wings, we wear white, white, white robes, we sit around on clouds, and we all of a sudden have this incredible harp-playing ability where millions of harps are being played at the same time, and we do that for all of eternity. No, that's not fun. Maybe it's fun to you. Maybe that's your heaven. It's not fun to me. That sounds boring as the opposite of heaven. We're gonna look at what God says about heaven. And, and to do that, that's how we really receive heaven as a Christmas bonus, the promise of heaven. So the first thing we need to do is we need to understand it. We need to understand heaven. Life is full of misconceptions. I, I can't stand when I believe something to be true my whole life and then it turns out not to be true. Like one thing I believe to be true, maybe you've heard this as well, and that is that vitamin C is an effective treatment for fighting the cold. Has anybody heard that vitamin C will help you fight the cold, maybe it'll help uh, not la make the cold last as long? Well, we've been duped. We've been wronged. The Mayo Clinic put out a report that vitamin C is not an effective treatment to fight the cold and that there's no proof that it even helps shorten the duration of the cold. So if you've been stocking up on emergency, stop wasting your money, you're good. Vitamin C doesn't help anyways. Or, or who's heard, uh, maybe as a kid, if you swallow chewing gum, it takes seven years to digest. Like how did we ever believe that as kids? Like our moms would tell us that. Seven years is a long time. That's also not true. Or this one's really concerning because there's this group of people that walk around and they truly believe this to be true and my heart breaks for them, this, this misconception, and that is Dallas Cowboy fans. You have the misconception that your team is gonna be a Super Bowl contending team in 2024 and it's wrong, it's just not true. They're gonna let you down in the playoffs like they do every year. It's not the 90s anymore. 
But with all the misconceptions we have in this world, can you imagine the misconceptions about the next world, about heaven that are just floating around, that are just going around? A recent survey showed that many people have the wrong idea when it comes to heaven. The survey found that 47% of people think heaven's a state of mind, a, a state of being, a mystical, a fantasy place, not a real place. 25% of people think that you have to be good to get into heaven, that you need to be a good person. 10% of people think that everyone gets into heaven. There's those that are of the belief that when we die, we become angels, and maybe this is a worldview or our heaven view that we've had our whole lives, but the Bible is very clear that angels are cre their own created beings. Angels are angels, and we're our own created beings, that we don't become angels when we die. Or there's those that believe that heaven is just this boring, endless sing-along in the clouds for all of eternity. But these are all false views of heaven. So what's the truth? Well, the truth is what the Bible says about heaven. And it talks about heaven around 500 times. And one of the places we get the most detailed descriptions is in Revelation 21. And in this chapter, the Apostle John, he gets the privilege of seeing the new heaven, one of the very few in the Bible who got to witness it, to see it, and then still be around to write about it. Now, some context around these verses, John is prophesying the end time. So in his vision, the rapture's happened, the final battle has already happened, Jesus is victorious, the old earth, the old heaven are gone, and John starts to give us a description of what the new heaven looks like. So let's read some of the things he talks about, the description of this new heaven, starting in verse one of chapter 21. It says, and then I saw a what? A new heaven. And I saw a what? A new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things will be gone forever. Amen, church? Listen, what the Bible says about heaven is quite spectacular. And the first thing that John tells us is that everything in heaven is new. Everything is new. Who doesn't love new stuff? New clothes, new shoes, new car with that new car smell. I don't know if there's shoes or cars in heaven. The Bible doesn't say anything about them. But if there are, they're gonna be brand new. There are gonna be homes. You'll have a brand new dwelling, a brand new home. All the old stuff on this earth will be gone. Even the stuff we love, like a sunset over the Grand Canyon, Disneyland, it's all gonna be gone. But we're not gonna miss it. I can promise you that. Think about it. God spent six days creating this earth. He's been preparing heaven for you for over 2,000 years. That's over 730,000 days compared to six. It's gonna be way better than this earth. So everything is new. Also, heaven is the dwelling place of God. Here on this earth, our, our hearts yearn for God, our, our souls ache for God. In fact, the psalmist says it best in Psalm 63. He says, God, you are my God, my soul thirsts for you. 
The human race has always just wanted to be with God, to see God, to know God, to get as close to God as they can. That's why there's such attraction to sites that are considered holy. Places where God might have been or where people believe God might still be, they just wanna get as close as they can to God to feel his presence. But the best news is that when we get to heaven, we're gonna be able to meet God face to face. And then everything's gonna start to make sense because we're gonna see things as God sees things. So all of our questions, all of our pains, all of our struggles, they're gonna be answered by God himself. We'll be close to him and it will change everything. The other thing the Bible tells us is that heaven is a real place. Jesus tells us in John, he says, I have gone to prepare a place for you. Not I've gone to just give you some nice concept of heaven or I'm just gonna give you some dreamy, spacey idea of something better. No, it's a tangible place. It's a real, substantial place. It's a place with mansions and dwelling places prepared by Jesus himself for you. It's a place with a, a new city, a new Jerusalem, a new capital containing streets of pure gold and the streets are translucent. John describes, he gives us measurements on just how big this city is and, and scholars have taken John's measurements and converted them into measurements we use today. And listen to this, scholars believe that this new city, this, this new Jerusalem, will be 200 2,250,000 square miles. It will go up in the air 780,000 stories high. That's a big place. Henry Morris, who's one scientist who did the calculations, he estimates that 20 billion people can live in this new city, each with 75 acres of space. So if you've ever wanted a bigger home, if you've ever wanted more land, more space, you just wait till you get in heaven. You're gonna have plenty of room when you get to heaven. The Bible also tells us that heaven is a paradise. In his final hours, Jesus is on the cross and he's hanging between two thieves and one of the thieves looked over at him and says, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus says to the man, he says, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. And when you go back and you, and you convert this word paradise, you, you translate it back to the original language, what you'll see is that it actually means the walled garden of a king. So to someone who didn't have a lot, this would have been a saying, this would have been a description of something that would overwhelm the senses. And I think that's the best way to describe heaven. It's gonna overwhelm our senses. It's gonna be a paradise. And then it also tells us that we'll have new bodies. In heaven, whatever your, your perfect uh, body looks like on this earth, maybe you're thinking, I have the perfect body. I hope I take this with me. Listen, it's gonna be way better way better in heaven. In fact, the Bible tells us that our new bodies will resemble the resurrected body of Jesus. And if you look back in the Bible at the resurrected body of Jesus after, the Jesus after his resurrection, you're gonna see that he could do some pretty cool things. Like he could all of a sudden be in a room without using the door, like he could just go through the wall. Or he could go from place to place almost instantaneously. So in heaven, if we resemble his resurrected body, we're gonna have some superpowers which I feel like we're gonna need. We're gonna need to be able to defy gravity because if this, thing, this place is 780,000 stories high, that is a long elevator ride. And you are definitely not taking the stairs. We need to be able to get from place to place a lot more quickly. Now, I, I do realize that everything I've mentioned, it might sound out there, it might be tough to get your mind around. And I hesitated even talking about what heaven looks like because 
It can be tough to understand. And what we, t- what we tend to do when we don't understand something is our mind tells us that it's not real, that it's fake. But this brought me some encouragement and I hope it brings you some encouragement too. Us trying to picture and get our minds around heaven would be like two newborn babies talking about what they're gonna do when they grow up. It would be like two newborn babies sitting around talking about what their world will look like by the time they're 25 years old. Their minds can't conceive it yet. So when we arrive in our new reality of heaven, over time, we're gonna start to understand it and we're gonna start to see it when we're experiencing it, but not till then. And just like a newborn trying to describe what the world's gonna look like before they get there, it doesn't make that world any less real. It doesn't mean it's not still a very real and tangible place. The mind just can't conceive it yet. So rather than trying to get our minds around and visualize what heaven is, I find more hope, I find it easier to understand what heaven is not. So let's look at what's not in heaven. Well, the Bible tells us that there are no needs in heaven. In heaven, you're gonna need for nothing. God's gonna provide for your every need. And we're also told that we won't desire anything unrighteous, which means there won't be any temptation in heaven. And anything righteous that we desire will be supplied to us. So if you like Amazon Prime and you think that's awesome because you can get something in a day or two, listen, God's gonna make Jeff Bezos look slow because he's gonna be way more quick with his delivery. You need it and he's gonna have it for you. So a question you're never gonna hear asked in heaven is, do you need anything? Do I need anything? I'm fine. God's supplying all my needs. I don't need nothing. Why are you asking me that? There's also no sorrow in heaven. If you made mistakes, if you carry regret, if you've experienced heartbreak, when you step into eternity, you're never gonna feel those feelings again because Jesus shouldered all of that on the cross for you so that when you step into this next life, you can be absent of those earthly feelings. There are no tears in heaven. And I didn't steal this from an Eric Clapton song or an Ariana Grande song. This is the Bible, this is real, this is scripture. Heaven is dry eyed. Something else you won't hear in heaven is, are you having a bad day? No, I'm not having a bad day. Every day in heaven is a good day. There is no death or mourning in heaven. If you've experienced the the pain, the grief of losing someone, I know the majority of us have, and that grief can be overbearing. The pain of that grief can almost be debilitating, but in heaven, you won't experience that feeling again also. Your grief is gonna be completely gone because there's no graveyards in heaven. There's no eulogies in heaven because there's no loss of life in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. I mean, imagine a place where pain is gone. No more hurting hearts, no more aching bodies, a place where everyone is whole. No canes, no wheelchairs, everyone can hear, everyone can see, everyone can speak, no one's sick. I'm so appreciative of everyone who works in the medical field, to our doctors, our nurses, our first responders, hospital staff, church, can we give it up for anyone who makes life on this earth better, makes us healthier. I do have some bad news for you though, if you work in that field. In heaven, you're gonna need a new job. You're gonna need a new career because there's no pain in heaven, there's no sickness in heaven, there's no injury in heaven, there's no disease in heaven, there's no need for doctors or nurses or therapists or dentists, no hospitals, no insurance bills, church, there's no co-pays in heaven. 
Heaven's free of all harm. It's free of all danger. It's safe. It's painless. To me, knowing what heaven is not brings more comfort than knowing what heaven is. No more needs. No more sorrow. No more tears. No more death. No more pain. No more suffering. No more regret. No more loss. It's all gone. So if we want to receive heaven as a Christmas bonus, we have to lean into the Bible and understand heaven. Then the second thing we need to do is we need to think about heaven. I I have up here with me, I have a $5 bill and I have a mystery gift. And I I need some help with this illustration. And so I'm gonna ask you, ma'am, I'm gonna ask you, which one do you want? Do you want the easy money, the guaranteed $5 bill, or do you wanna take a chance on what's in the mystery gift? Now, before you answer, I can see you already looking at one. Before you answer, let me just tell you that what's inside this gift is way better than the $5. It's worth way more than five. It's an amazing gift. You want this gift. You do not want the $5. You want to take what's in this gift. So which one do you want? You want the gift. Okay, there you go. Open that up. Just kind of hold up what's inside. I'll I'll announce what's inside. Oh, it's it's a $50 bill. That's way better than $5, right? Congratulations. She made the right choice. Can you believe she chose the gift over the $5? That's amazing. Wow. You're saying, of course she chose the gift. You said, practically told her to choose the gift. You described the gift as way more amazing, as way more spectacular. Yeah, but she still had to trust me. She still had to believe what I was telling her, that I had her best interests in mind, that I wanted her to win, that I was looking out for her, that what was in the gift was way better than that $5 bill. So it might be easy to pass on that $5 when I'm telling her that the gift she can't see is way better. But we don't always carry that same logic when it comes to God, do we? And what I mean by that is we're sometimes so eager to reach for that $5 bill that this world has to offer when God is describing an amazing gift we should accept instead. Even if we can't completely see what's inside, we have to trust his word. Look at Colossians 3. Colossians 3 says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And do what? Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So Paul's saying, think about heaven. Keep seeking heaven. Our feet, yes, they're on the ground here on earth, but our minds should be in heaven. And most of us, though, myself included, I can go days, weeks, dare I say months or even a year without a single thought about heaven. We have to remember that what this world offers and what God offers are drastically different. And this world tries to offer us hope through a lot of broken avenues, but God offers us hope and he offers us the ultimate hope, a perfect hope. You wanna know what it sounds like when our minds are on earth rather than on heaven? It sounds like life is so unfair. Life's unfair, what's in it for me? What what am I gonna get out of life? When am I gonna get mine? How do I ensure that I'm happy? And then even when we get what we want here on this earth or what we think we need here on this earth, we still are miserable, aren't we? We're still unhappy. But when we think about heaven, everything on earth just starts to work out. And even if it doesn't, how we process it is different. 
It no longer tanks us. It no longer bothers us. It doesn't derail us because we know where we're spending our eternity. We know we're just passing through this broken place that ultimately we're citizens of heaven. So how do we keep our minds in heaven? Well, Paul tells us, he tells us, think about heaven, seek heaven, put your mind on heaven. But then he follows it with some instructions. And simply put, Paul tells us to strive to not sin. Strive to stay away from sin. He's saying this world is gonna try to get you to reach for that $5 bill, but you leave that $5 bill alone. Don't you trade the beautiful gift God's given you for a lousy $5 bill. Don't trade the truth of God's word for the lies of the enemy. Don't you trade the joy of the Lord for the temporary happiness of this world. Don't trade the peace of Christ for the turmoil of sin. Don't trade the love of God for the approval of people. And don't you settle for the fleeting pleasures of this world when you can have the everlasting treasures of heaven. What Paul's saying is you remember you're a citizen of heaven. Your goal is to draw close to God and you can't do that if you're focused on the unrighteous things this world has to offer. If you're caught up in sin, God's saying, I promise you, I promise you I have something way better than that $5 bill if you trust me. We can't be heavenly minded if it doesn't change how we live on this earth. And when our hearts align with God's, we're gonna see the world differently. So we put them in first in everything we do. We put them first in our friendships. We put them first in our time. We put them, put them first in our thoughts. And when we do this, we're gonna start to experience a transformation. We're gonna start living as citizens of heaven, living for eternity. Because our lives here on earth, they're short. They're just a... They're just a mist, they're just a vapor, as the Bible describes it. So we start living for every moment, making every moment matter, living for God and his glory, because heaven's not only our destination, it's our inspiration, it's our motivation. Then the last way we experience the bonus of heaven is we share heaven. Someone I have in my life that makes the most out of every single moment, just makes every moment count is my friend Mark. And Mark and his wife Desiree, they've become really close friends of my wife Laura and I, and Mark and Desiree, they support us in everything we do. In fact, Mark is an incredible evangelist. He's always inviting people to church. I thought my wife was an incredible evangelist, always inviting people to church. Mark invites way more people than she does. Maybe even way more, well, definitely way more people than I do. They're both incredible at it, but Mark just takes the cake. He's awesome at it. He's always supporting what we do. And we've been looking for a way that we can support Mark back. We can support Mark and Desiree and, and be friends right back. And we had that opportunity about a year ago because Mark got the opportunity where he was a VIP guest to a brand new Thai restaurant opening a new location here in town. It was gonna be a grand opening night. It was gonna be a party. And Mark was on the list and he got to bring friends and he invited us and I thought, if this is what it means to be there for a friend, go and eat free Thai food at this exclusive party, I'll join him, I'll say yes. Mark, I've got your back, I'm gonna be there. And so we show up to this restaurant and Inside, everybody's having an incredible time, enjoying this free food, smiles and laughs. And on the outside is a crowd of people gathered, looking in, everybody wanting to get inside. And we get to the front entrance of this restaurant and there's stanchions and, and a velvet rope that look just like this with four big security guards on each side. 
You weren't getting past them unless you were on their list. And we get to the front and then we're just standing there. And we're standing there and we're standing there. And what was probably only 15 minutes was felt much longer as I'm watching people eat this free food and I'm smelling this Thai food and I'm just wanting to get inside and I'm starting to get a little embarrassed for Mark thinking he's not on the list. Like we're not getting in. He, he must, there must be a mistake. There must be something wrong. We probably need to think about what we're gonna do instead. And right about then, there's about nine of us waiting. Uh, a 10th member of our party comes running up and one of Mark's friends and says, Mark, I'm here. And Mark goes, oh, good. And he turns to the security guards and he says, I'm Mark Baker. And immediately the security guards open that rope and let all of us in. And as we're walking into this restaurant, into this party, I, I looked at Mark, I said, I have to admit, like I thought we were gonna be trapped outside. I thought we were gonna have to make new plans. I was really embarrassed for you. And he kind of chuckled and laughed and he said to me, no, no, I, I knew we were getting in. I just didn't wanna leave anyone behind. I wanna make sure everyone got in. Listen to this. There's a party going on right now. A party that God has been preparing for thousands of years. A party that's gonna blow your mind. A party where you're gonna want for nothing and you're gonna be with God forever. Nothing missing, nothing broken. And guess what? You're on the list. You're a VIP on the list, all because you said yes to Jesus, because you decided to follow him, because you made that commitment to him. You've secured your eternity. But what about your friends? What about your family? What about your coworkers, your neighbors? Do you want them on the list? Do you want them to miss out? Do you want them to be left behind? Of course you don't. You want them there, you want them to experience God's love, you want them to have eternal life. And God wants that for them too. Check out what it tells us in 2 Peter, it says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being what? He's being patient for your sake. God wants them in. He's being patient for your sake. He's being patient for your coworkers' sake. He's being patient for your neighbor's sake. He's being patient for your family, your friends' sake. You want that rope to be dropped for them, which is why it's so important to give them an invite now, to invite them to church, to invite them to watch with you online. If you're in a prison facility, to invite them to watch church on the Pando app, to invite them to pray with you looking for invita invitations to serve them, to be involved in their life in a positive way. Invite them to a Christmas experience. Just invite, 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 and then let God do the rest. But who can we be making sure that we drop the rope for? There's a saying that, that goes, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. But I think there's a worse problem. And that is to be so earthly minded that you're no heavenly good. Don't be so down to earth that you forget about heaven. Share heaven, share salvation. Heaven is a Christmas bonus that's meant to be shared so that when we look at the people in our lives, we can make sure that no one is left behind, that the rope is dropped for all of them, forever securing their eternity. 
And maybe you're here today and you're hearing for the first time that you can be on this list, that you can be on a VIP list, that you can secure your eternity, that God wants that for you. And if that's you, I wanna give you this opportunity and it's gonna be done in a prayer. That's how you get your name on that list. And it's gonna seem so simple that your mind's gonna try to tell you that it can't be that easy, that it's not real, but I promise it you that it is. You just repeat these words after me, but you talk to God. You mean it with your heart. So if I could have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. Just pray this prayer after me. Just pray. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. But I know you sent your only son. You sent Jesus to die for those sins. And when he rose from that grave, it gave me the chance for eternal life to put my name on that list. So God, forgive me of my sins. I name Jesus my personal Lord. I name him my personal savior. I wanna spend eternity with you, God. If you prayed that prayer for the first time with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just do me a favor and just boldly put your hand up in the air, just declaring before God that you're gonna follow him, that you're naming him your Lord and Savior, the best decision you're ever gonna make, putting your name on that list, securing your eternity, eternity in heaven with him. Thank you for those hands. God, I pray for every hand in this room, every hand online, every hand in prison facilities, reaching out to you right now, Father, naming you their Lord and Savior, giving their life to Jesus. Draw near them, draw close to them. Remind them you have a purpose and a plan. God, for all of us, thank you for the promise of heaven. Thank you for loving us so much that you wanna spend eternity with us and you gave us a way to do that. And now that our names are on a list, now that we're invited to that party, now that we'll be there, let us drop the rope for others. Let us boldly share our faith. Let us invite to see others come to know you, securing their eternity for forever. We give it all to you, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe and review this podcast and connect with us on social media by following at Central Online. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Central. You can simply visit centralchurch.online slash give, and you can give a gift today. And thanks again for joining us on the Central Church Podcast.